This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. It's funny, I cook for my neighbors because it's just my husband and I and three cats. My cats are not going to eat orecchiette with rapini and sausages, no. During the worst of the pandemic in my condo, and I live in a beautiful community here where everybody looks after one another, but there were some seniors who were shut in and they were really lonely. And I just thought, you know, what's the great equalizer is soup. So I would make these jars of really nice vegetable soup. Every time I make it, I change it just in a very subtle way. And people go, wow, this one was even better than the last one. It's unbelievable is that it always goes back to food unites us all. Uh, Yeah, it's a great equalizer. That's Rita DeMontis. She's the award-winning national lifestyle and food editor for Sun Media Division of Post Media Network. Now, this is actually our second episode with Rita. So if you missed it on the first course, pause this one and go check out the last episode where we talked about Rita's start in food writing, sharing Canadian food culture with some of the top chefs out there, and her predictions on how the pandemic will shape industry trends long term. Rita, you have just so many stories from your many years in media, but what food stories in particular stand out? You know, it's funny because when I think of the food stories in my life, I always think of my mom and how strict she was in the kitchen. And she she was just this visionary and her stuff was so delicate and elegant and she was very strict. My sisters and I were her sous chefs. And I was, I was basically just look and wash the dishes afterwards. And she had these really interesting things that, you know, if she was baking, she was a big baker. We'd come in the kitchen and the first thing she'd ask all three of us is, who's on your period? And we'd look at each other and... I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. I know. And if you were, you were turfed out. Now, there could be something interesting about that. Because um, I always think when a woman's on her period, her everything changes in her body and her acidity levels may go up or down and they come through on her hands. So you may be kneading dough, which has a yeast in it, which is a living organism. Mm-hmm. And the high acidity may be killing the dough. I mean, this is just me. It's no scientific. It's just me sitting there turfed out in the kitchen and thinking about it. And I get it because it's us trying to make sense of because when I was younger, it was around tomato sauce season. Oh, yeah. Which actually we did not too long ago this year. But (laughs) because we still try and keep up some of the uh, traditions. So when we did that, um, they used to always ask who was on their period. I got out of it so many times because I would say I was. I wasn't. I couldn't eat tomatoes. I was a disaster. I was like, just take the, you know, like the little, my nieces and nephews and take them out for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> just get lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah, like no. it. I just found the whole process. You know, I, I understood um, pride uh, of, of ownership of this. Uh, I think a couple of times in my life, I've made preserves. I've ma- I've preserved jam. But the thing mm-hmm. is, you also have to, you know, when they were preserving tomatoes, it was a bigger family. Absolutely. And at the same time, I think that's a philosophy we all need to embrace now more than ever. We, One of the biggest uh, issues facing the planet is, is food waste. We're, you know, metric tons are wasted every single day. Even when I shop today, before I used to buy too much. And then, it, you know, oh my goodness, I bought... 
what, what happened to these blueberries? They've grown beards, you know? So I become more mindful of everything the older I get. When did you get started cooking? And, and what was it that inspired you to kind of start experimenting in the kitchen? Yeah, like I said, I would watch my mom cook. And I was always curious. I was I, I was always interested in, in you know, different um, combinations. Uh, if I did this, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, uh, I, I make stews and I make a really killer uh, pasta sauce. I really make a good sauce and I jar it and I give it away. Oh, you and I are going to have to compare notes on that. <laughs> and meatballs. Um, I make stews. I made like yesterday. And it's funny. I cook for my neighbors because it's just my husband and I and three cats. Mm-hmm. My cats are not going to eat orecchiette with rapini <laughs> and sausages. No. So I made that. And then I, during the worst of the pandemic in my condo, and I live in a beautiful community here where everybody looks after one another. But there were some seniors who were shut in. And they were really lonely. And I just thought, you know, what's the great equalizer is soup. So I would make these jars of really nice vegetable soup. I actually make a soup. It's called my chicken tortellini soup, where I throw every time I make it, I change it just in a very subtle way. And people go, wow, this one was even better than the last one. (laughs) So I would deliver. I remember I have a picture of me. I look like a ninja. I'm dressed in black with a big black cover all over my face, black gloves, because the seniors were nervous, you know, I disinfect everything. And I knock on their doors and I say, I have soup for today. And they were just like, one woman says, I just, I'm crying because I just want to hug you so hard and I can't hug you. And I go, I know. know." It's it's been difficult. It has been, you know, hugging is, is, is very personal, but at the same time, it's very healing. It is. I'm a hugger. So it's been difficult. Oh my goodness. I'll tell you this story. I was shopping this was October 2020 when they opened the stores for, I think it was for two hours before another shutdown. Mm-hmm. And I was in my local winners, masked up, gloves, the whole nine yards. And I was walking with my cart and I bumped into a woman and I went, oh, s- sorry. It's like the Gardner Expressway here. <laughs> laughed and I laughed and we laughed. And then she started to cry. Aww. And I said, are you okay? And she goes, I, I haven't seen anyone. I haven't, I haven't laughed. And I just put my arms out. I said, come here, let me give you a hug. And here are two strangers. I'm hugging her. Um, I said, you okay? And she goes, I haven't hugged anyone in so long. Thank you. So I gave her another hug. And then I said, uh, just to break the ice and the emotion, I said, look, I'm here Tuesday mornings at 10. Thursday afternoons, I hug after four. And then she started to laugh. Again. <laughs> but I told that story to some people. And some of them said that was wonderful. And that was a gift given to me. And then some people said, well, you can't come over because you touch someone, a stranger, and who knows if you have this virus. And I thought, yeah, they're right. And I took I a chance. I don't need to laugh because it is. It's from one extreme to the other. Yeah. This is what this virus has done. So I'm fine. You know, I was, you know, I, I no problem there. I'm double vaxxed too. Yeah. But yeah. I just felt sad. You know, like my best friend, Joanne, her and I are big huggers. Joanne and I, We've been friends for like whew, 30, over 30 years for sure. And we're so close that when we have lunch together, we haven't had lunch in a while, we'll hold hands. People think, what the, what is going on? I there? Love we're it. just I love good friends because touch is so healing. It really is. And um, I don't even know how to segue into my next question because that story was beautiful. Oh. Honestly, it made me tear up. Oh. 
Okay, I've got a couple of games. Are you up for them? Of course. Rapid fire. Tell us one thing most people don't know about you. I'm short. (laughs) (laughs) Name one thing from your childhood that kids today wouldn't understand. Uh, Cabbage stew. Would you rather go camping, hiking, boating, dancing? Uh, well, none of the above, but um, if, I, if I was forced to do something, I'd go dance. Favorite ingredient to cook with? Oh, the trilogy of the kitchen. Garlic, parsley, and olive oil. Oh, I like that. First words you use in the kitchen. Oh, can I? Or you don't use. <laughs> oh, fudge. You say that too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm a little bit more flavorful, shall we say? <laughs> the bomb does show up. It does announces itself for a while <laughs> you know i got over the catholic guilt of swearing <laughs> i try not to i try to have a swear jar it kind of like throws people off there's just a sweet little innocent person there in the corner it's like what did you say <laughs> how would you describe your cooking style oh my cooking style is if i take this and i try that what would happen <laughs> and more often than not it works are you a baker over cook. I'm a cook. I'm a cook. You're a cook. Baking, you know, I, I can, if, you know, making cakes and things like that is is a, more of a science. So I have to really think everything through, uh, and measure everything. And, yeah. You know. I bake because I have a sweet tooth. That's what I say. Oh, I'm, I I make a killer banana cake. Trust me on it. Oh, gosh. The secret is buttermilk and rum butter frosting. Rum butter frosting. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sold. <laughs> And I make cookies. I love working with ricotta. Ricotta is a type of cheese that is forgiving. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the most comforting cheese because it's like a blank slate. If you want something really comforting, boil up some elbow macaroni, take a couple of dollops of fresh ricotta, add some of the salted water from the the, the cooking water for your pasta, blend it in so you have a, a thick paste, and then toss everything together, salt and pepper. So good. That was one of my father's favorites. Yeah, it's really simple, easy. But then I make um, I make a ricotta trifle. I make ricotta pie. I layer it. I, you know, I make these ricotta uh, turnovers. And the secret is Marsala wine, raisins, orange mm. rind. Bob's your uncle. Delicious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so I'm going to paint the picture. It's 6 o'clock. Stomach's growling. Uh-huh. What's your go-to easy meal to make for dinner? If I was to open the fridge, mm-hmm. uh, I usually prep though so that I don't go and eat something really stupid. Uh, like, oh, look, cheese and crackers. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to put something together, it just depends on what I've defrosted. So, you know, what's really fast and, and, and easy are eggs. Oh my goodness, eggs. I love eggs. And you can, you know, uh, my mom used to make, and I make it, is, um, and my dad was a cook too, don't kid yourself. He, but he was a, he was a disaster in, in the, in, oh my goodness, never put him in front of a barbecue. Like it was torture watching what he did. It was so horrible. And we never ate what he did anyway. So burnt outside, raw inside, you know, here, it's as fast as I could do this. But um, we used to make a um, egg drop soup. So I get a pot, I I do a sofrito, you know, a bit of onion, butter, olive oil. I'd add fresh peas and let that, oh, and I'd add water, peas, 
some tubini pasta and then I'd crack about four or five eggs and let them poach in there. And oh my goodness, delicious. Oh, that sounds so And you can do that with sauce. If you have a jar of sauce in your fridge, just get a fry pan, heat up the sauce, make little uh, nests and just poach some eggs in there. Oh my goodness, to die for. Comfort, it's best. I'm Mary Memolini, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with award-winning national lifestyle and food editor, Rita DeMontis. What's one of the best meals you've ever had? Um, I'm sure there's many. Lucky, I have had some of the most amazing meals, and I'm just—it's so strange. But I do recall, and it's got to be 17 years ago, and it was um, a well-known chef, famous chef in Toronto. And he ran a, a, a restaurant, Empire, and I, his name escapes me, my apologies. But it was, um, I was a judge for a rice competition. And he created this tiny, tiny little bowl with the most perfect risotto in bianco with butter and parmesan. But on top, he had nestled a little piece of foie gras before, for, you know, you don't have foie gras anymore. My goodness i still dream of that bowl really it was simplicity amazing now i have flown to england i've eaten at the tables of three-star michelin chefs and and it paled in comparison oh and then my own cooking i make special stuffing handed down to me from the relatives and during the holidays, we don't have turkey. We have capon. Capon's a, a, a much a, a moist uh, bird, a little bigger than a chicken. So you need something a little bigger. But I, I can't do the big turkeys because it's just two of us. And I make a stuffing with chicken livers and hot capicola. Oh, that's nice. Bread crumbs, garlic, parsley, eggs to die for. Stuff the bird, let it bake. And it's like to, people have wept. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what dreams are made of. Yes. <laughs> and I've had cooking classes. I went to Paris for a weekend. I mean, listen to drop that, Rita. It was wonderful. With uh, the My Mustard people. They were very gracious. Mm-hmm. And I learned to create some pretty awesome things. And I learned the nuances of, of really good mustard, like a grainy mustard. And, um, oh, I make this um, dish. And it's an easy dish, but it's there's a lot of steps to it. And um, it's a seafood dish that calls for three types of cheeses. Now, you don't think seafood and cheese, no, it shouldn't work, but it does. It does, yeah. And I add a little bit of grainy mustard to it. So, And, you know, you learn things like, you know, 80% of the mustard seeds for the world come from out west in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, I think. Canada is home to some of the most amazing food uh, exports like our durum wheat you know our mustard seeds you know our talent so but you know it's just been fun what else have i seen i spent three weeks in um as a, a following a group of students from george brown culinary uh college in uh colorna italy where they have the alma university and so i was taking cooking classes watching the students at work and in just going on this wonderful food experience in Parma. And I remember they took us on, you know, what makes a good prosciutto. And we watched very carefully as this one, the, the one guy, he's standing there, he's surrounded by four workers. 
in um, prosciutto factory. And he's got this long stick and he's he's putting it, plunging it into four corners of a, of a prosciutto in the making and then smelling the stick, plunging, smelling. And what he was doing, he had a pure palate and he was testing to see at what age this prosciutto was moving towards. And this, the, bone, the stick he had was actually a horse's bone, from the back of a horse's uh, leg. And I said, ah, how long can you do this for before your taste buds go a little wacko? And he goes, I, I, I'm lucky if I get 45 minutes and then someone else does it. He says, do you want to try it? And I said, yes. So I tried it and I, he says, what do you smell? I said, grass. What do you smell here? And I said, um, chestnuts. What do you smell here? And it went on and on. And he goes, you have a very good palate. I go, well, thank you. Can I come work for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. Just wonderful when you see this type of, like I went to a, a Parmigiano Reggiano cheese hospital. So they have a hospital for your Parmesan cheese. Because if it cracks or whatever, they show you how they fix it. It's it's amazing. Just amazing. They have a hospital? Well, you know, there's there's not just one Parmesan company. There's like yes, yes, yes. But because of uh, the um, designated area, it's in a very small part of uh, northern Italy. So the some of these um, factories where they make it, they have a, a section of it is like a hospital. So they're not going to take a wheel of Parmesan, and if it cracks, they have to fix it, and they do. I did not know this. Yeah, it's it's really really cool to see stuff like that. And, and and Parma, so I spent a week in Parma where our first meal was um, agnolotti with a squash filling uh, in sage butter. And it sounds divine, but, you know, that seems to be like every meal had that. It, it got to a point where it was like, I really need a McDonald's hamburger at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was in Sardinia on a fact-finding uh, I was invited by the Italian government and I just hadn't been to Sardinia since I was young. I told them, you know, I'm Sardinian. I have family there, but I know I'm here for business. And we went to part of the island called Alghero, where I found the most unbelievable ice cream. Like Alghero is interesting. It has a very strong Catalan influence there. And the seafood like was to die for. And, and it was there, I actually had wine and it didn't react and it was quite refreshing. But I just remember we were tooling around the island and one of the delegates uh, from the government, he says, De Montis, ma quello no, no me sardo. And he is that a Sardinian name? And I go, yeah, I'm, my, my parents are from. He goes, where? And I go, Ozieri. It was just like an hour away, 45 minutes away. I go, I know, but I'm here for work. He goes, nonsense. Get in the car. We're going to go there. I go, no. I, gift. I go, okay. I left the tour group. <laughs> They're kind of bewildered. This young guy who was so kind, so kind. I can, I, I can, I get emotional thinking of how he said, no, this is your land. You're going to go see where your parents grew up. Because, you know, my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents and on and on and on came from this town. So, except my grandmother, she came from La Madalena area of Sardinia. But anyways, um, I got there and I knew that the store in the square, because, you know, all the little paesi have a square, belonged to my grandfather, now belongs to my cousin, and it's a bookstore. So I, I saw the bookstore. We got out of his car and he goes, okay, where's this bookstore? I go, it's right there. And he, he ran in and he went up and I recognized my cousin because we're friends on Facebook. 
And he goes, oh, excuse me, uh, there's a journalist here from Canada. And she says, she's your cousin. And this Antonio smiled at me and said, yes, my cousin Rita. And everybody speaks English there. And all of a sudden, my uncle came. Or he was the reti- He was the chief of police there and he's retired, shows up. And this is, you know, what really touched me. They took me to a store across the street. They bought cookies, uh, the Sardinian uh, Papasini which I brought home these other candy. And then my, my, my host, we drove to see my aunt Catherine and, and there in her home, I look at a picture and it was of a beautiful um, woman. And I go, who's this? And she goes, well, that's my mother. And I said, that's my grandmother. That's, um, that's uh, Nona Matea, Matia. And I almost wept because this was touching base with my roots. And and it's just very profound for me. Anyways, we hung around there a little bit, then we had to go back. And I just, it was a wonderful, wonderful. And the food, oh my goodness, we went up to a mountain part up in Moro, where these farmers were making the most beautiful, delicious organic jams. Uh, They make um, bitter honey in, in, in Sardinia. And they use myrtle, wild myrtle in their roasts and things like that. So it's just like, what a culinary experience. It was just to weep. What's unbelievable is that it always goes back to food unites us all. Uh, yeah, it's a great equalizer. It's, I think it's hard to have an argument with someone when you're, you've all eaten from the same table. And if you have, and they'd still argue, it's because their bellies are full and it's after the You're fact. all full anyways, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, we'll let it go for another day. Okay, we're going to go on to fill in the blanks. If I could go anywhere right now, I would go to blank. Sardinia. I would want to try blank. Um, oh, swimming the ocean. I deserve a gold medal in blank. Patience. I'm always late to blank. Oh, I'm always late to return phone calls. (laughs) And I ask all my guests to share one of their kitchen confessions with us. Oh, did I burn my kitchen down? No. (laughs) Did I leave a pot on and yeah, the bottom burned and I try to pass it off? Yes, done that. Didn't work. And along the way, I learned how to sear scallops. Oh, the secret of searing scallops. So yeah, I've I've, I've fumbled and and tumbled and oh, you know, but I think it was, I burnt a stew and I thought, well, it's only at the bottom. I don't think it's going to impact the top. Oh, it does. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I think all of us at that, at some point have done that. Oh, big time. (laughs) If listeners want to reach out, get in touch with you, say hello, look for your work, where can they find you? Well, I'm still at the sun and uh, they can email me at rdemontis at postmedia.com. You can reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, I have an Instagram account. Rita, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It, It was a lot of fun. This has been such a pleasure and thank you. You, my dear, are an amazing person. So we got to eat together. <laughs> it's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love.
Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.